go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Want to make Mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May twelfth. Find tons of gifts from only thirty dollars at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Goldmines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. Welcome to an all-new episode of Comedy Goldmines, where we do what? What do we do here, people? We get inside the minds of amazing comedians, and oh my God, what amazing minds they are. And today, well, today, today we got a dope mind to get into, man. We got a mind to get into. Um, we got Ben still here today, and Ben, before, before we get into it, I just want to say, first of all, um, you have been a major inspiration um for me in the in the world of just creative in the in the space of comedy and and the depth that that one can basically present in this space finding ways to ground material finding ways to to take some of the the craziest ideas and make them um you know you just you color outside the lines man and and you you have and you've done it at a high level for so long and now your work behind the scenes is fucking it's just impressive man the 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 producing the directing the 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 writing all things that you've basically um put on the table over the years you've in my opinion you've done it you've done it the right way you've done it the fucking right way man so i just want to say thank you well thanks man you know this is stiller not affleck right Oh no, shit. Okay. Wait a second. I didn't turn my video on. I feel like God that damn it. I didn't turn All right. my video on. Because I'm a fan of this. Um <laughs> That's very nice of you, Kevin. And I feel, you know, look, it's not I'm I'm I feel weirdly proud of you watching you do what you've done, having mm-hmm. gone back a little bit with you and, and experienced uh, us working together back in the day. So I really, really appreciate that. And congrats to you for just doing your thing and taking it to a whole nother level yourself. I mean Thank you, man. Thank you. Even that intro, that intro was like, wow, how do you do an intro like that? <laughs> how do you know how to this, do that? <laughs> this is this is this is gonna be about you though. This is this right, is an opportunity okay. for people okay. to kind of understand Ben Stiller uh in a way they might in a way they might not have ever had the opportunity to. Um I wanna I wanna go to the beginning, right? And I'm not gonna ask you the questions that are traditional. You know, these are more questions that that I have interest in, right? And and okay. things that I wanna know. Um, you know, we can go back to your early days, your your early days of of comedy, right? You you were you were what was the, the show that you did? Um, the sketch. It was like the sketch show early Yeah, on. I did a I did a sketch show on MTV mm-hmm. back in the Probably like, like maybe 1989, 1990, 91, uh, somewhere in there called The Ben Stiller Show. The Ben Stiller Show. Yeah. <laughs> Innovative title. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, you know, it was a sketch show, but it was at the time that MTV was just starting to work on trying to do things that weren't videos, you know, programming actual uh, shows. 
So the show was sort of part sketch show and part just playing videos. Mm -hmm. So literally it was like half and half. So we would, and we came up with this idea, my partner at the time, Jeff Kahn and I were doing comedy a little bit. I never did stand up, you know, never did solo stand up. But Jeff and I started getting up at a place called the China Club in New York, uh, which was on the Upper West Side. Uh, and like I think once a week they had comedy nights and we started doing this like little act together where we do characters. And like we do a takeoff on U2 and we do, he'd do a Bob Dylan impression and somebody at MTV saw it. And it was around the time I, I also had just gotten a job as a, an apprentice writer at SNL too. And I was there for a super short time. But MTV was looking for programming and sort of cheap programming and, you know, and they were taking chances on people and they saw us and they said, yeah, why don't you guys try to do a little half hour show? And that's and that's what we started. And the Ben Stiller show, I mean, the, the show, it became success. It was a, it was a success for them. Well, it did. So it sort of it was a success in that it was canceled. <laughs> After we did 13 episodes, but it got it got to the point where Someone at the Fox Network, which was just starting, saw it. And then we developed it for the Fox Network. And then we got on the air at Fox. And this was when Fox wasn't even programming full time. And we did we did 13 episodes at Fox. And that's when I met Judd Apatow and Bob Odenkirk. I'd met Bob Odenkirk at, um, at SNL. He was, he was a writer when I was there. And uh, Janine Garofalo and Andy Dick. And we did that show on Fox. It took a couple of years to get it on the air. And then we got canceled also. But uh, a few months after we were canceled, we actually won the writing Emmy for uh, best you know, variety or sketch or whatever. And that was sort of like the kickoff, I think, you know, for a lot of us in that show, even though the show technically, you know, was a failure. Well, that's where, I mean, you, you, you're going to get to see where I'm going. Um, the reason why I brought up the Ben Stiller show is because of the connective, uh, the, the, the relationships in writing, right? Like every, everybody that was a part of that, um, they went on to become very successful, right? In, in the, in the world of creation and, 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 comedy uh i mean you you've got you just talked about judd you talked about bob you talked about janine uh you talked about andy dick i mean you know at this young stage when everybody's early in their careers um it's funny how this happens because when you're the when you're the like the the vision behind this thing and you get other people to participate with you on this thing is because you're like oh my god these people are funny they can help me do it but you never see it blossoming into what of course it ultimately becomes you now sitting in a seat that you sit in looking back now and thinking about the ben stiller show and looking at the people that touched that show and seeing where their careers now are do you ever look back and go like holy fuck man like <laughs> back then we were just you know we were just we were just doing sketches like we were just writing and we were in the writer's room together and you know everybody kind of figured it out and look at look at what's happened yeah. Look at what they've become. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, yes, I think about it in that I, I sometimes go, oh, look, at, we're all still here. We're all still doing our thing and doing it, you know, in a way that we are successful at it. And success meaning you're, you know, you can make a living and, and touch people and, and keep doing what you want to keep doing. So just, you know, when you get to this point in your life and you look back, you, you think about, oh, wow, at that time, what were we thinking about? And it was exactly the way you described it. It was friends, people who I thought were funny. And I had this opportunity somehow that they were letting me develop a show. 
So I, 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 I just, I had that chance to, to, you know, kind of go and say, Hey, to Judd, who I'd met, you know, in LA, it's like, Hey, you know, they're, I'm developing the show. Would you want to work on it with me? And same thing with Janine and, and Andy. They were all people who were, I thought were really funny and were, I was trying to just help the show be funny. Cause I was like, all right, I need some help here. You know, <laughs> it's like, I can't do this by myself. And, um, and yes, now looking back, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to see how everybody kind of went on and did their own thing. And, um, you know, Bob, obviously, you know, like the direction he's gone in and Dave Cross, who, you know, David Cross came out to help write on the show uh, because Janine, I think, knew him from Boston uh, and he was doing a thing called Cross Comedy in Boston. So that was the first time he came out to uh, L.A. also. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. Why why not stand up? What, what was your what, what did you have against the, oh, the world of stand up comedy? It's so hard. It's so hard. I, I took a step. I mean, it really is, man. It's so hard. I, I, my, so my parents were a comedy team uh, and they, I grew up around them doing their act together. My dad, Jerry Stiller, wanted to, since he was a kid growing up during the depression, wanted to be a stand-up comedian, like an, you know, old school, like Eddie Cantor style. You know, he just loved the, the you know, I think he grew up watching those like vaudeville and then, you know, wanting to be a funny guy on his own. And he also wanted to be an actor too, but he met my mom. And when he met my mom, who was a serious actor, he realized how funny she was and they were starving and they got together. They were trying to make ends meet. They'd been married for six or seven years. And he had the idea, let's do an act together. And that act brought them a lot of success. And they got on the Ed Sullivan show like 30 plus times. And it really changed their careers and their lives. Um, so I grew up watching them do that. And I grew up, you know, also loving comedy, but really loving movies. So like, it always was like, I want to, I want to be a movie director. I want to, you know, I kind of want to act in movies too. I want to be funny, but it wasn't like watching my parents thinking I want to do what my parents do because, you know, when you're a kid, you want to kind of do your own thing. It wasn't until I was older that mm -hmm. I could really appreciate what my parents were doing. Um, and so, you know, I saw, you know, really it was like seeing someone like Albert Brooks doing his thing. I think Albert for me was the sort of pinnacle of like, oh, this guy's being funny. He's making his own movies. He's directing them also. So that was sort of the direction I wanted to go. I took a stand-up comedy class once at the improv when I was like, I don't know, like maybe 14 or 15. And it was just so painful. Wow. It was so scary. I remember they, they, they said like, come up with a routine about something. And I came up with something about alternate side, <laughs> alternate side of the street parking in New York like the most specific area which is like you had to park your car from like you couldn't park from 11 a.m to 2 p.m on one side of the street the tuesday thursday and saturday and like how i would like pray for snow days because you wouldn't want to like I, it was so it was so bad it was so bad and not relatable um to anybody outside of the upper west side um and then you had to have a car even to relate to so uh and i remember the feeling the feeling even in that class of bombing of like just people just not laughing <laughs> and i was like i don't think i want to do this i don't think i can you said fuck this this, I, I, yeah. this isn't for me yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna skip this i love stand-up comedy i'm yeah i'm a fan i'm a big fan of stand-up comedy but i you know doing it as you know is really really hard and then watching my sister was going out with a stand-up comedian when she was uh 
she was maybe 18 or 19 and I was, you know, 15, 14. And she was going out with Fred Stoller, who's a really funny stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. And she would go and hang out with him at the clubs and he played Pips and Sheep's Head Bay and, you know, and, and he was, you know, and that's when literally hanging out with like Gilbert Gottfried back in the day and uh, watching that lifestyle and how they would, you know, be up till two, three o'clock in the morning and going up, you know, four or five times a week and, and having to bomb and, and then figuring out, you know, just all of that was so, I saw, the work that was put into it. And I realized that's a very specific thing and you have to really put in the hours. Yeah, and then, you had to see it firsthand. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was like, you know what? That's not, yeah, I don't do that well, but I want to do this. So I went down a different road. Well, you made the right choice. Let's, let's not act as if you didn't make the right <laughs> choice in, in pursuing uh, the the world of career that you chose. Um, what I want to know is when did the creative click though, right? Like, you know, when there's a lot of, there's a lot of actors, actresses, um, you know, comedic, non-comedic that get into the business right and they they are work for hire for their whole career meaning that they just wait they wait for opportunities and hopefully this opportunity makes sense or they audition 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 and they get a job okay good um but then there's another tier and this tier is full of people that try to create the opportunity they're they're very um they're very sound and having ideas, completing ideas, selling those ideas, paving their own way um, for the best display of their talent. When did that click? When did you understand that that, that was going to be that was going to be your bread and butter. That's what could separate Ben Stiller from the pack. Because um, when I look at your resume, I mean that that writing card, that producing card, it's it's present. It's it's present early on, right? So was that something that was just because of your household, which your mom and dad you growing up in, or or was it just explained to you? How did you understand that so early in your career? I mean, I, I think it was necessity really early on because at first I started to audition. And I wasn't getting jobs. I just wasn't getting work. Mm -hmm. And I think I wasn't great at auditioning. I don't think I was really that comfortable as an actor. Like, I don't think I was deserving of jobs for the first few years when I was trying to go out and get work. Okay. And But I still wanted to work. So I was trying to figure out how to get it going. So it was sort of that just out of necessity saying, okay, how can I, you know, do what I want to do and finding like-minded people and uh, deciding, okay, I'm going to make a, you know, make a short film. I'm going to uh, try to do an audition tape for Saturday Night Live and just sort of uh, trying to create work when work wasn't happening. At the same time, I was trying to get work as an actor. So it wasn't like I was saying, okay, mm -hmm. I'm not going to audition or I'm not going to be an actor for hire. It was just like, how do I kind of try to get something going? And so I just kept on doing that when I wasn't working. And it was sort of meshed in for a while. It was actually interesting because when I got, I finally got a job on SNL, I was actually starting to get little jobs in movies, but you know, you can't do both things at the same mm -hmm. time. You can't go out and audition to be in a movie and then get the job and be at SNL. Cause you're, you know, you can't do You know, you won't be able to be there to do the work. Power so crazy. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's just, you can't do it. It's like, and also like, you know, at Lauren's gonna say, what do you want to be on SNL or do you want to be an actor? So, uh, you know, I realized that, and that was kind of why I think it didn't really work also at SNL for me for the short time I was there, because I was still trying to figure out exactly what you're talking about, that balance. And then when the MTV show happened, I started to realize, okay, I just have to commit to this. But then I did start to get other little jobs and movies, and I was going back and forth with that for a while, because, you know, it really feels great to get hired for, uh, to be in something. 
you know, because when, when you're doing your own mm-hmm. thing, it's really, it's really satisfying and it's fun because you have the freedom. But when somebody says, Hey, I want you to come and be in my movie, it's very tempting. So uh, I had, I got little parts in movies and I was like, Oh, this would be great. But then, it, but then it really was like, I had to commit to when the MT, the MTV show got canceled and I went out to LA to start developing the Fox show. I was like, okay, I got to commit to this. So I moved out to LA and just started working on trying to get that show on the air, working on trying to find the people, working on writing it, you know, and, and that was the commitment. That's the biggest yeah. part. The biggest part is the yeah. commitment though. Like when you, when you know that you get, when you know that it's getting a hundred percent of your time, energy, like you, when you know that you're putting it all on the table, um, I think that's when you get your best results. Yeah. But you're also giving, you're definitely giving up stuff. You know, you're giving up the other opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Sacrificing. You're, 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 you're making a sacrifice, right? You're, but that's a, it's a conscious decision. And it's, uh, in this business is one that we all have to make at yeah. some point in time. Um, when, when did you know, when did you know or feel, holy shit, this is it. This one, this thing, this is the moment. I am now in position to be what I've set out to be. I, this project, this thing can launch me into that next level of stardom, of success. What was the thing that did that for you? I mean, I, I guess it was, uh, there's something about Mary in terms of as an actor. I was yeah. going to say, yes, yes. <laughs> um, yes. Something but, you know, like up to that point, I had been working pretty steadily as an actor and director. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I directed a couple mm-hmm. movies and um, but that movie is the first movie I was in that was a hit. And that made a big, big difference. Yeah. And uh, it was uh, it was a whole different situation after that, because then all of a sudden people were coming and offering me movies and uh, it was building movies around me being in them. And that was a whole new. How thing. did you handle that? How how did you how did you take that though? Like you know, I mean, was it, I mean, was it? Is it? I was. <laughs> I don't. I think I was. You know, I took it. I was so. It was a lot. It was like, okay, wow, you could do this movie. You could do that movie. And I said yes to things. And and in retrospect, I don't necessarily regret saying yes to them. But you know what happened was I took a bunch of movies that that failed mm-hmm. right after that. Mm-hmm. You know, it failed quote unquote at the box office, and. It was a, it was pretty crazy because all of a sudden I was like, well, wait a minute, what's happening here? Am I should I keep doing this? And but yet it was it was having the freedom to also say, hey, like like the movie I did after Mary, I think was Mystery Man, and that was pretty great because they said, you know, hey, we're putting this cast together. Who do you think should be in? I was like, well, Janine should be in it, you know, and definitely and Hank Azaria and you know all these you know great people, and then you know, and then. That movie didn't really take off. And then I did a couple that really didn't go well. And I started to then all of a sudden be aware of that mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. of it, of, of the success or failure of a movie at the box office. And that's something that I hadn't really, even though I've been in movies and directed Reality Bites and Cable Guy, which was a big flop, but, you know, so I'd experienced that feeling of something not doing well, but it wasn't, I wasn't the star of it. This was a different thing. And that awareness, I think, can sometimes be inhibiting. You know, I mean, I just kept doing my thing, but it, but I was all of a sudden aware of that. Cable guy was a flop. Well, it was not embraced by the critics, as they say, and also it did not do a lot of money. Okay. So you know, it but, but the thing was, it was the first movie. You know, Jim was at the height of his um, you know powers there, and he, to his credit, said, "I want to do this weird, dark movie," mm-hmm. and 
then they put it out there and it didn't perform the way they wanted it to perform. The critics sort of jumped on it, I think because of Jim being in the position he was. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and it, for a while then after, it wasn't for me as a director, you know, it's kind of the typical show business thing, which is really obvious sometimes when you're in a movie that doesn't do well, all of a sudden people aren't calling you mm -hmm. as often. Mm -hmm. um, so for a while it was sort of like, okay, what do I, you know, and it actually, which are always really good things, uh, good times, because I think while you're dealing with that, you have time to then go in creatively and go, okay, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. And have you really, you know, can look at yourself and look at what you want to be making and make those choices, not based on whether or not people are wanting you for something or not, because you have that space. But that's something also, once again, that's, it's, it's discovered, right? Like, uh, I think you, you start to figure it out, especially, you know, the, the thing of, oh, wow, this movie hit everybody's now throwing material and you're excited about it. And like you said, you jump on and you're doing stuff, you're doing stuff, you're doing stuff. Well, ultimately you're doing it because you're having a good fucking time. Like you're doing what you love. So there's a moment where you're happy that you're doing what you love. And the business side of that comes in after when you go, oh fuck, wait, in order for me to continue to do what I love, it's got to make sense. Like everybody has to win here. Yeah. Everybody's got to win and figure it out. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and, and, and as you know, there's a pressure to that, that, that starts to come in mm -hmm. if you want to keep doing that. But what you said is very true. It's like, you're having fun and the fun that you're having doing that is what in a comedy is going to translate. And that's what people, you know, that's what people feel. And you have to have that sense of fun. And when you stop having fun doing it, or when you're, you know, then, it's harder. It's harder for that to, than to make those work. And I think I was fortunate enough to have a run where the, the, we were able to do that and have and take those chances. And really, I don't know, man, it's really interesting because looking back, I was like, I wasn't thinking about it as much in terms of like, what are the ramifications or what are the stakes of it or whatever? It's just like, yeah, let's do that. That seems really funny. And they want to they want to make this movie and they, they want to put it out there. And, and, every, and then when people see it and love it, it's really fun to connect with an audience. It feels great. It's, yes, it's definitely rewarding. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. How do you handle the weight of the directing a movie, starring in a movie, writing a movie? How do you balance the... the the decision-making and the performance. Like, the reason why I, I haven't done it is because I don't know if I can deal with that balance. I know the balance that I have now, the businessman that I've become and the actor and the comedian and, you know, the, the company, all of that shit, that's already a lot. When you're talking about the world of directing and starring in, that's a that's a fuck I don't I don't I really don't know if people understand the weight of that job. How do you deal with that, Ben? Yeah, well, you know, I I did it 
a number of times over the years. And then I finally decided I didn't want to keep doing it because it's a lot, you know? And I thought uh, as an actor, I always, like I said, I always want to be a director. I always loved directing. And a lot of times the movies came up where I was wanted as an actor. And also, you know, even Reality Vice, first movie I directed, I, I had played a supporting part in it. Um, Cable Guy I wasn't in and I loved directing that. Um, and then, you know, Zoolander, I was in, I actually tried to find somebody else to direct it for a while, um, you mm -hmm. know, because I thought for the same reason you're saying, it's a lot of pressure. But then I started to do it and I was like, okay, you know, there's a system to this. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a little bit lonely sometimes, but you just get into the groove of it and it's a lot. Um, and I did it for a number of movies. And then, you know, I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I don't want to keep doing this because I really am not enjoying doing both things as much. But it's, mm. it is, it's, it's a lot of pressure, sure. But, you know, as a director, I love directing because it, those decisions and those choices and seeing the movie and working with actors and the whole process is, you know, a very fulfilling thing when you are, are in it. Um, mm -hmm. The thing that I, I never really loved directing and acting was then I'd have to jump in front of the camera. Like I'd set up the shot and figure out, and then I have to jump in front of the camera and, and do it. And you realize that performance is so important to the movie. I was almost enjoying the directing more than the acting. Mm. You know, mm. um, that's, so that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. And, I mean, I I would I would have guessed that your appetite for behind the camera is, of course, is is just more. Like you, like there's it's it's visible. Your your love and passion for making movies is visible. Um, I just know the amount of questions that a director deals with on a day, on a day. I mean, God damn, it's a yeah. lot. So yeah. doing that and then, you know, giving yourself the scene and, and, and getting in, like, that's a lot. And the audience wants to see you. You know, the audience is not thinking about you directing it. So if you're doing a movie, you know, a comedy, they want to see Kevin Hart doing his thing. So they're not thinking about all that, all that stuff. So, you know, when you get in front of the camera, that's ultimately you have to show up for that, that part of it, right? I want to say to our audience too, you know, uh, Ben, he referred to Cable Guy, you know, as a flop, but I want to make sure that people do understand Cable Guy is is a cult classic. We're talking about a movie um, that is still talked about this day as one of the funniest movies that Jim Carrey did. I mean, yeah. And by the way, I love the movie. I and I and Jim always stood by the movie. I loved it too. And actually, making it was so much fun. So yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> I just, you know, if it, it's just that thing of like, all right, the way that sometimes people look at them when they come out and then you get you get perspective from it. And I, what I love about movies is the movies that last or the movies that last. It doesn't matter how people react to them in the moment. And, you know, when you when you make a movie, you want everybody to love mm -hmm. it when it comes out. But I'm sure you have that feeling, too, when people talk to you about a movie that you made, you know, five or ten years ago, it feels really good because you realize okay somehow this thing stood it's, out it's, and lasted there. and connected it's there yeah and it's there forever yeah young yeah. jack black man you are you talking young jack black <laughs> i mean when you go to that scene uh in the gym on the basketball court i don't know how you didn't cameo right. that I, like that that to me <laughs> that was a comedy like that's a comedy playground just to cast it was yeah. it was casted perfectly you know we we don't have to get into it but i just want to make sure that the world does understand Thanks, <laughs> classic uh same thing something about Mary. I mean, we can go down the list. I don't know if you noticed, one of my biggest misses, one of my biggest misses, Ben, is Tropic Thunder. 
until this day, like people ask me, like Kev, what's the movie that you feel um, you should have been in that you should have did? And fucking Tropic Thunder. I remember, oh I, man, this is the would have been great. Oh my god, until <laughs> this day. Until this day, I don't know what could change in my career. I'm very happy about everything that's happening. I feel like if I had have been casted in Tropic Thunder, oh my god, oh, oh my, I, I, you, it's, I see it. It's I the, see it now. It's the one Dude. thing that I say. My my wife goes, well, well, why? Well, why didn't you get it? I said, like, because I didn't get the fucking part. I was, <laughs> what do you mean why? Because Brandon that's... T. Jackson gave a better audition, obviously. I mean. <laughs> Cause I fucking I'm sorry. Suck. That's why. Cause I Damn suck. it. That's uh, why. No, you don't. <laughs> um, I see it. That's uh, honestly one of my. That is. That's in my my top three. All it's time. an alternate universe. I wanna. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna talk to you about Tropic Thunder because it's like you know that movie sits in a space where it's just it's in its own. It's like nothing. Nothing is like it. Nothing. <laughs> nothing can be. Will be. Um, that movie also, that's you in front of the lens, fucking behind. I mean, God damn it, you, you're doing it all there. Um, did you have any idea that that movie would be the success that it was? Like, did you feel how big that movie was while you guys were doing it? Uh, you know, I knew it was a big swing because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a low budget movie. And we, you know, I knew that everybody was kind of all in on it. But it was, it was an idea that I've had for probably uh, we made that movie in 2007, I think. And I'd had the idea probably since um, I think like 19 in the nineties, you know, like the early nineties. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was 19, sorry, 1987 was like the books well, I was in empire of the sun and I had this really little part. And at that time, everybody was auditioning all the actors my age were auditioning for Vietnam war movies you know, and uh, Platoon and Hamburger Hill and everybody was going in on them and everybody was going off to these fake boot camps. And I was like, oh, this is, there's something here, actors doing this stuff. So it was gestating for a long time. And it literally was from 87 all the way until we really finished the script in like 2000 and whatever, five or something that had been one of those things you're just tinkering with. You have projects like that over the years that you just sort of like yeah. are tinkering with and you think, yeah. and so, and you think, I don't know if we're ever going to make this thing, but gosh, it's just a good idea. And I, you know, I wish we could figure it out. And then we finally did it. So by the time we finally did that, I was like, Oh wow, we're finally making this movie. It had been with it for so long. And, and then, you know, and then I was just in it, making it. And it was like the other movies, you're just in it at the time and you're hoping it goes well and you're hoping the audience likes it. I wasn't thinking about it in any other way. I had such a good time making it. I had so much fun. You know, it was a dream come true to have had that idea for that long, to be working with Justin Thoreau, you know, who co-wrote it and um, and Downey and Jack and, you know, everybody in the movie, it was just so much fun. We were in Hawaii. Um, it was like a dream, it was just a dream project. So. It was incredible. It was just, and then, and then it came out and it's like any other movie. I'd be, I'd be stressed about it when it came out because like, are the critics going to like it? Are people going to go to it? And it did, it did well. And, you know, people liked it. And, but that's one that over the years, I'm so happy that, you know, people have connected with it and stayed, you know, it, it stays in people's minds, the people who love it. Cause uh, it was really like one of the best experiences ever. You've mentioned the critics a couple of times. Do you, do you feel that that has a major impact on you? you know, uh, a critic's a critic's opinion of your material after. Does that really affect you? Does it well, destroy it, you? 
does it alter I don't, your <laughs> it does affect me i mean i you know over the years i decided to stop reading reviews reading the actual reviews probably around 2001 2002 mm -hmm. so i haven't read actual reviews of my stuff but you always know how something is received. You know, you know, I mean, pre even pre Rotten Tomatoes, you knew, but now Rotten Tomatoes, you, it's like you get the number grade. But yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah, it does affect me. And, and, you know, I don't have like a great answer for it other than, you know, I every time I go through it, I kind of go through the same thing. And you have to go through the same, for me, the same rationalization process. Like, hey, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. Every time I have this like moment of wanting people to love everything I do. And uh, I wish I was better at being like, kind of like, you know, taking things from critical, uh, you know, breakdowns of my work. But um, honestly, it's like always something I just sort of have to deal with and get through. I am going to give you a little Kevin Hart nugget, Ben. Oh, please. I could give a shit. I... <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, thank you for that. I yeah. don't give a shit, Ben. I don't think, I don't think, I think I probably have about three projects that have maybe been reviewed well. I don't know. I don't know, Ben. <laughs> I could give two shits. I I am a, I love I'm it. a firm believer <laughs> in if I make the choice to do something, I, I'm making the choice to do it because I feel like, oh, this is going to be good, right? And while I'm doing it, I'm happy because I know like I'm I'm enjoying it. Like this project is I'm having a good time. This movie could be good. I'm doing the job. I'm I'm there and I'm giving a hundred percent to the job. And early on, you're you're work for hiring, you're trusting the the director or the the producing partners, etc. So it's different, right? Like you're coming here to do your job. I have to always be confident in that. If I'm if I'm not confident in me doing the job, or if I feel like I didn't do a good job, well, then that's a different conversation, right? But when I'm like, yo, this, I fucking, every day, came gave it 110%. I don't read that shit because I don't ever want to fuck with me. I don't, I don't even go near it. Now that I'm on the side of the producing and developing and all of that shit, you know that you do the job and you get the best people in position to help you win. I refuse to let people break me down when I'm like, I'm doing what I love. I love that. I love that. I'm very yeah, fortunate man. to do what I love. That's, that's my theory. I'm very fortunate to do what I love. I am a part of a very small percentage that has an idea, develops an idea and is able to shoot that idea. I'm a, I'm a part of a very small percentage and I'm fortunate to do that. And I love it. How can I let anybody tear down my world of what I get up to do? I, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. I, I think that's a really healthy outlook. And, um, I want you to be my therapist too, because literally <laughs> this made me feel great. Um, I, <laughs> no, I think you're hundred percent right. You're hundred yeah. percent right. And by the way, I have my own version of that, which is like, I can't, have the freedom to take chances and to try shit and to just fucking be out there and do something that could fall flat on his face if I'm caring about what the hell these people are going to say about it. Absolutely. You know? Now, that being said, I love it when people, I hear that people love it. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's, it, it all feels good. And I wish that that like, you know, whatever that hole in my soul is that cares about <laughs> outside of approbation. 
But I think you're hundred percent right. Like you, the, and, and that connects, it's what we said about having fun making movies and, and you know, your audience connects with that. And that's, and, and also I think you didn't really mention that, but there's like a connection with the audience and there's a connection that you're making something that you are enjoying and loving that you're, that will somehow translate to the audience. And you know what? The audience defines it, finds it. And, it, but at the end of the day, you're right. It's like, if you're not doing it because you're having fun and the process isn't fun, because at the end of the day, also all you have is the, the, the actual process of making it. I mean, the thing exists as a finished version of whatever it is and you try to make that as good as possible but you know we're alive and we're doing it and that's what the real experience is is actually making it well you notice that the critics the critics and the the fans they never match up right like you know when you when you get to look at like uh your 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 audience score when they do the test and like you know your your audience test scores comes back or they're amazing they're through the roof those things and the critics never match you know yeah and it's also comedy comedy in particular comedy is so subjective that it just there's no way and i i think you can't ever you have to be going with your gut feeling you have to go go with what you find funny mm -hmm. what you like what you think is funny. that's all you have as a director mm -hmm. when you're when you're directing comedy uh drama whatever it is you're watching as an audience you're watching the frame and you're and you're just being the audience for yourself and going like do i like this does this feel real to me does this make me laugh whatever it is you need to react to in the moment and that's that's all you have to go on and and you have to trust that well now i mean look the business is changing now it's going in a um in a in a very very unique and different direction you know like we're talking about box office we're talking about a movie performing you know we're talking about hitting numbers and if you do great if you don't these things are considered uh failures but now the world of streaming has presented itself and it's almost a, a safe haven right for for the new world of develop because if it's going on these platforms and you know you have the right people behind the project and the right faces well now you're you're looking at engagement now we're talking about um you know the 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 uh, what's it called the retention um when there's the completion the yes, completion the, rates who's too, completing right? Yeah. it right who's finishing yeah. it i mean you have a series yeah. on apple now uh which i started by the way very very i'm on episode three so don't tell All me right. what the fuck is gonna happen but i'm <laughs> i'm liking where the fuck is going like it's it's right. one of those things you start weird. watching and you and you have to finish it because like well what the fuck is happening like what the, <laughs> what's going on with these people we'll we'll, we'll talk we'll end there i'll yeah. make sure we okay. end the podcast okay. on that but there is some security in the the streaming opportunities um how do you now feel about those partnerships or relationships um that have presented themselves or that are there now versus the world of just box office from back then yeah, well, you're right. It's completely changed. And I think there's a lot of uh, amazing opportunity now because there's so much uh, out there that uh, and, and an audience that is willing. There's almost like there's a chance for the uh, more niche sort of projects to hit an audience specifically um, in terms of, you know, actually like sticking out. I think that's the sort of the challenge these days is like, OK, what do you because there's so much. How do you make something that actually is going to like find the audience, you know, but creatively, I think it's a, an amazing time because mm. you ha now have the support to make things that, and especially in the quote unquote television world, but like, is there television? It's like television versus movies. It's all, it's all streaming yeah. on your, you know, on your, whatever device you're watching. So there's an opportunity to do things uh, and make shows that you probably never would have been able to do 10 years ago. 
in terms of uh, at the budget levels and also to hit audiences specifically. So I think it's really, it's like, it's a wonderful time. It's also, but it is a little bit confusing sometimes when you say, okay, well, I want to make a movie because, you know, I love movies. I love the experience of going to the movie theater. Um, and I think even the form of storytelling has changed because now there's the opportunity when you have an idea for something, it's like, is it a movie? Is it a limited series? Is it a series, mm -hmm. right? You know, how, do we tell this in six hours, eight hours, two hours? Um, and I think those decisions become really important because, you know, it, you got to figure out, well, what's the best way to tell the story? You don't want to stretch something out just because it can be longer. Um, and then, you know, for comedies, I think, um, you know, I haven't done a comedy for so long, honestly, as an actor or even a director. I think uh, I'm curious how you feel about that for comedies these days, because I, do you feel like it's it's harder to hit a broad audience or do you just worry about kind of like, hey, I'm just going to do what I do and let it hit who it hits? We've had, this is one of the biggest conversations um, at my at my company, right? Like, you know, the, the reason behind Heartbeat is I'm trying to give heartfelt material globally, right? What What is it that I can present that'll make you laugh, uh, that can make you cry, um, but that could give you a feeling. I want, I, I want to give feel good movies. And, and I said, there's a hole now, um, just in what is, what the world of comedy is, right? Because it's not, it's not what it once was. Um, and it's, it's very hit or miss. And when you talk about the big comedies, when we go back and you look at the big comedies, um, you, you got a sense of, you got a sense of raw and real that were attached to some of the big ones, right? Like when you, when you think, I think the last one for me, the last, the last good comedy that I felt checked a lot of boxes, um, was it good boys? What was the, the, with the, the little kids? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see it. It's the, uh, Seth Rogen produced it. Yeah, but it's it's with the little kids, mm -hmm. and it's it's good. It's fucking good, Ben. But it's good because it it tapped into that raw, right? And that everybody's trying to develop the comedy that puts the whole family on the couch. But the comedies that are a little edgier, that aren't afraid to kind of like toe that line, well, those are the ones that, that last. Those are the, like the, the real strong ones. Cause you gotta, you gotta do a comedy, you gotta give the moments. When you talk about meet the parents, you talk about meet the fuckers, like, you know, you were able to play and, and, and give some shit from a family perspective, but also play on the side of edge, edginess. and. Right. I think, you know, there's been a, there's the times, of course, today to the prison of themselves. It's got, you know, we're, we're in a very sensitive space in general. So it's like, what can you do? What can't you do? What's too far? What's not? So for me, it's like, you're struggling to find the right balance. What's the right balance? So, you know, it's like, fuck, I'm, I did some comedies. I got some coming out, but we're towing a line. Like they're on the softer side of comedy like it's not like it's not like you're able to throw those haymakers um like you once could because everybody is like whoa 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 i know it's really hard whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. it is it's yeah. very hard no you know tropic thunders tropic thunders not getting out of development you know if it's no today. not yeah. today there's no it's way it's not happening 
Yeah. No way. What the, the fucking people? They're gonna kick you out. They're gonna kick you out the office. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. So you telling me that this character does what? Yeah, this is the bit, and he has to. <laughs> this is. What, I'm sorry. What the fuck? Are you trying to get us all? Like, what is, yeah. it doesn't happen, nope. right? Like you, you yeah. really look at that, and now we go wow because it was so good. But today you can't. You can't do it. You can't do it. So, you know, I, that's why I'm playing in a space of drama now, right? right. And, and making serious movies and still going to comedy. But I'm, I found that the family adventure, you know, that Jumanji, right. that like big, you know, yeah. for you, Night at the Museum, those right. big movies that are crazy ideas. Um, that's an amazing box that can be checked. Um, I'm also, Borderlands is a big one that I did, but it's not mm -hmm. comedy, it's that action adventure. Right. And, you know, then you have the the action comedies where you're a part of the duo and whatever. But right. I'm, right. I'm kind of <laughs> over that space now. Right. I've done that. And you know, I don't. I'm not, I love that you've done it all, though, man. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't be a cop anymore. Yeah, the, it's the hard though. Person. It's really hard. It's not. It's not you at all. You know, it's just like it's like you're saying. It's everything right now, and it's also how do you reinvent these genres and have the space to do something that is not going to be afraid of offending. You know, and do it in a way because that is comedy. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Do you feel like you got bored with comedy? Is that is that why your appetite is turned to the, the, the drama and the directing of drama? I mean, I think I have always been interested in doing other kinds of stuff. I, I don't think I got bored of it. I think I got maybe tired of playing in that space where you had to have this very um, specific reaction, which is people got to laugh, you know, like, it, like mm -hmm. even Tropic Thunder, you know, for me, there was so much that was important about the movie in terms of the production value and making it feel like a real movie. But at the end of the day, it's a comedy and people aren't laughing. It's not working. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that's harder than drama. I just, I really do. I just think comedy is harder than drama. Now that does, but the, the, to have comedy within a drama, it's almost like you were just saying it's a different thing, but like with those family movies, to have some edge within a family movie or to have some comedy within a genre and a drama, you're you're not saying that the genre is comedy, but then people appreciate the comedy within it. It's actually there's more freedom to do that. Does that make sense? So in other words, yes, yeah. Does. So I, I like that. I like that you can then dramedy. Yes. And I think the genres are sort of melding away a little bit. I mean, there's always going to be a hard comedy that's like, okay, people that people are going to love if it's really great. But it's nice that like even Severance, you know, what we're talking about is a weird sort of, you know, it's kind of like sci-fi, but it's not. And there is comedy in it, but it's not, you know, I like that, like sort of like not defining the genre. And I think there are filmmakers who do that, that I love, you know, people like Paul Thomas Anderson, like, right? he'll just make a movie and he's not worrying about what the genre is. He's just going to, you know, it's going to be funny. It's going to be dramatic, it's gonna be whatever, but it's just a movie. You, you, it's, it's, it's great to hear you talk, um, about what we're talking about because you know you're you're opening up just 
my world, my my perspective, because you know, it's one thing that I've really just in the I've been in the space of just thinking about. Like, you know, with with me expanding uh my reach and and doing more, it's like, okay, well, there is a there's a reason for it. And you're like the things that you're saying, I couldn't agree with more, right? Like you're just like, yeah, I've done it, but it's just a little harder. And and comedy is harder. Like for some reason, it's it's understated. Like I don't know if it's given the proper level of respect. I don't know if it ever has been given a proper level of respect. I mean, when you think about the Oscars and you think about awards, you know, comedy isn't praised at all. Um, but it's the thing that people gravitate towards the most. It's the thing that people want the most. It's the laugh. The, the world wants to laugh and they want the material um, that help with laughter. So I don't know why we've kind of skipped over it. When you talk about Jim Carrey, I mean, fuck, if there was ever a person that was deserving of any type of award, uh, Oscar worthy attached to a performance, <laughs> it would be Jim Carrey. It would be Eddie Murphy. I mean, you talk about Nutty Professor, you talk about Jim Carrey. I mean, the early days of Ace Ventura, you want to go to me, myself and Irene, his performance there. I mean, you can, you can go down the line of solid comedic fucking performances from front to back. You, I mean, uh, Robin, Robin Harris, um, Williams. I mean, there's so many people that have put a fucking display of perfection on a big screen um, that have been attached to comedy. But it's weird. It's weird now that we're like struggling with what that is. We're we're struggling. And all these series, when you think about it, just really think about this for a second, Ben. Every series that we're talking about that has been developed, tell me the comedy. Which one is... What's comedic based? What's yeah? What's the funny one? Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I think maybe still in the network, you know, old school network mold that's happening. But even that feels to me that it's a little bit sort of, I don't know, it's almost become its own thing that is not, I mean, I guess it's mainstream on a certain level, but I don't know. I don't know if I, you know, if I connect with it, but I don't, you know, yes. I don't watch this. Let's get into yours now. Okay. Um, this drama series is is fucking insane and you know i I just want to talk about the directing eye i mean it's shot so well man like ben i don't know what the fuck is in your head i don't know how you're coming up with this shit (laughs) i don't know like what like where 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 you're pulling this from but it's shot so well it's lit so well um like you said it's in that sci-fi like thriller but there is some some moments where you can laugh um what's the world of development behind this where the fuck did this idea come from well i'll tell you honestly for me that show comes out of the office talk about a comedy and that by the way is one of my favorite comedies of the last that the show the office yeah and that genre of the workplace comedy office space you know mike judge's movie that that sort of banter that happens and that funny office speak thing and people doing their jobs and kind of, you know, there's been something that's developed over the last 20 years in television that to me, this script that Dan Erickson wrote was sort of turning on its head and was saying, okay, what if people are doing the job and they're having the funny, you know, office comedy back and forth thing, but they don't know who they are. 
They don't know what they're doing. They don't know why they're there. And it's like almost like this, you know, like an abstract play or something. And so that was where it came out of for me. It's like, I actually thought it was funny when I read it. And then it came out probably a little less funny when we made it. But, you know, visually, I guess there's just like things in my head that are, you know, movies that I've watched growing up and the feeling of being in this, this uh, very, uh, claustrophobic, weird space with no windows. So, you know, collaborating with people and talking about ideas, but really came for me out of what Dan wrote. And was like, okay, this is a tone that I kind of know because the, the back and forth in the office, I, I've seen that, but yet I love this other idea that there's like almost like a weird sort of level of like, they might not, who knows if they're alive or what, you know, whatever. You are, you directed, you directed all episodes? I directed six of the nine episodes and Aoife McArdle, a really talented uh, director, did the middle three. Yeah. Oh, how's that? How's, how's that walking away from, walking away from that? Is that, is that a, is that a, is that a weird thing? Like you got, you got is there a, hey man, don't fuck this up. All right. Is there like a, is there like a, is, is there a conversation um, that happens? You know, hey, like, well, all right, now you saw. No, I, I was lucky to have a, you know, Aoife came on when we were prepping. I was looking at it like we have to all be in sync here. And we shot it like a movie. So we shot it basically like oh, we shot all the scenes at Mark's house, all the scenes in uh, you know Mark's sister's house together. So we were going back and forth sometimes on episodes. So we we're all in sync on it. But, you know, um, and I think that was the key. And it's really a collaborative process. I mean, there's there's a cinematographer who shot all of it, Jessica Lee Gagne, Jeremy Hindle, our production designer, Aoife, you know, uh, amazing prop people, Kat Miller, Teddy Shapiro did the music, um, you know, just, it's like a team and everybody kind of coming together to make the, to make this one vision together. Now, I mean, what's, what's next for, for Ben Stiller? I mean, this is, this is the world that you're playing in, you know, this, this space of directing, we've tapped into that. We know your why, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not saying that you're done with comedy, but you just have an interest for the creative the, the creative world that you're now in. Um, what what should we be expecting? Is there anything that you feel like you've yet to do that you want to do? Um, what's your appetite now? Well, I, you know, I love making movies. I think I want to make some more movies as a director, different genres. You know what I like? We were talking about, you know, acting and directing. Like one of the things I like about directing and not acting is that I can make movies that I wouldn't be right in as an actor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. You know, I can wow. do it, just do something that like I don't necessarily have to be in. Um, and and I really love that idea of just making really different kinds of movies that that have that emotional connection that you're talking about. Cause ultimately it's always about that emotional connection. So those stories to me are the ones that I'm, and I'm developing, it takes a long time to work on stuff for me, you know, like over years in terms of ideas and, and figuring that out. But, you know, Severance has been such a good experience. I wanna make sure the second season uh, feels as complete as the first season. So mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna direct um, a, a good amount of those next season. And, uh, and I'd love to figure out an acting thing. I'd love to find a comedy, you know? I was, I was just going to ask you, are you, I'd love are it. you interested in getting back? Yeah. You know, it's just weird. It's, work as well. Yeah. It's just weird. Cause it's been, I never thought I'd go this long, not acting. It's been like, like maybe six years now in my life. Five. It's okay. yeah. Five or six. I mean, it's really weird. Like I just said, Oh wow. I never thought I'd spend this much time away. It's been great though. Cause I can really, I think appreciate now, the process. I think I appreciate acting more as a director, watching actors do their thing. And it makes me excited to figure out what it would be to go back into because I, I, I do love it. 
So, man, well, don't threaten me with a good time. All right, let's, let's do it. it Come out. on. <laughs> Listen, if you if you figure it out, Ben, and you got some 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 funky different thing. When I tell you, man, it I would I would jump at the opportunity. Just so we can sit on set together and you can tell me not to give a shit about the critics. Yeah, I love not to give a shit. Oh, that's, what, that's what you'll love me to death. Kev, man, you know, the, the reviews come out tomorrow. I never knew that. Ben. I, I, I have no desire to know. I could give two shits about it, Ben, yes. at all. Um, man, listen, this is, uh, it's about information. It's about great dialogue. And Comedy Gold Mines is special because my fan base that is now listening and re-listening to this podcast where you get inside the minds of these fucking amazing people. And oh my God, what an amazing mind we got into today, man. Uh, Ben, forever a fan, forever a friend here. If and whenever you say you want to fucking play back in front of that camera, man, uh, like I said, it would be, it would be an honor a fucking honor. Um, until then, thanks, Kev. Until then, I'm just gonna tell you, man. I'm I'm unbelievably inspired and just motivated um, by the material and and by the fucking by the 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 progression, man, that you've had. Like it's 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 no coincidence that over the course of 30 years, how many years you got in business? 30, way, way 40? more. It's crazy. Yeah, God. maybe it's like 35 plus. God, man, <laughs> it's no, it's no coincidence that those careers that have lasted the test of time, um, and and done it at a high level, is no, it's it's not a coincidence. It's not, it's not by accident. Um, it's because of the work and it's because of the talent, and you got it all, buddy. So Thanks, nothing man. but more blessings to you, man. Keep fucking shining. I appreciate you for doing this. Thanks, man. Love to you. And I'm really proud of what you're doing. It's just great to watch you do your thing. So congrats. My guy. Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? Or just a horrible accident? That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a Slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. 
This is Slaycation. Slaycation.